Hello, welcome to the Pregnant with Purpose podcast. I'm your host, Regina Hassan, and this is a podcast for people who are 60 plus who are living out or looking for their God-given purpose. We come to celebrate or encourage them. Hey, y'all, it's me, Regina Hassan. We've been blessed with some outstanding guests and topics, and today is no exception. My guest for today is the past director of the HPD Psychological Service Service Division. As a licensed clinical psychologist, she has 34 years of counseling experience, 20 years in law enforcement and college-level teaching experience as an adjunct professor at Houston Baptist University and the University of St. Thomas. She earned her PhD from Louisiana State University. And just something, a little something I know about her is my next guest, if you asked her how she's doing or how she's feeling, she's going to give you one word, amazing. And that best describes her. Y'all, please help me welcome Dr. Verdi Leatherman. Hi, Dr. Leatherman. Good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, Today's show, I wanted to uh, focus on uh, mental health. And I feel like that this is such an important topic and mental health for people 60 plus. Cause I, and I think that this is such an important topic um, that we're going to, uh, we're going to have, this is going to be a two part series. And today we'll be doing our part one and we'll have part two for you the following week. So um, uh, let's get started. Okay. I'm ready. You ready? First of all, tell us, I, I spoke a little bit a little bit from your bio, but tell us about uh Dr. Verdi Leatherman and you know how you got started in this field of, of psychology. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> all right. I, I have two answers. Okay. One answer is that as a young teenager, I was faced with a death in my family that no one would talk about. My grandmother was dying and everybody was whispering, hush, hush, but nobody would just talk about the fact that we all knew she was dying. Mm -hmm. And as a teenager, I thought that was weird and dumb because I thought we should be able to talk about anything. So in my little mind somewhere, I just thought this is weird and dumb, kept living as a teenager, 10 years later, I entered graduate school. But at that moment, I think that was one of those forks in the road where something inside of me realized people should be able to talk about anything without hesitation, without reservation, without feeling shamed or condemned. Mm. Part two answer is God in his infinite wisdom knew that I needed to hear the very same things that I was telling my clients. So if I had to say them over and over again, then I would have to listen to what I was telling them so I would practice what I preached. And so with the sense of humor that he had, he made sure (laughs) to listen to what I said to my own clients. And I genuinely practice what I preach. I I can really relate to his sense of humor. You know, I can really relate to that. That You think that you're giving somebody else the message and it's like all of a sudden you just stop and say, oh, 
this for me. You're talking to me. Yes. Now, it's not that obvious, but yes, that's exactly yeah. what happens. And my clients sometimes realize it and other times they don't. Don't. That is absolutely true. And I think that's what keeps me grounded in reality that life happens to all of us. Life happens to all of us. That's good. That's good. Yes, ma'am. I love that. Um, why do you think, tell us why you think that <clears throat> mental health is so important for people 60 plus? Why is mental health or being healthy mentally, if I could say it like that, why do you think that's so important for people 60 plus? Because it sets the tone for everything. Mm-hmm. Our mind, our brain is the is the catalyst for everything that follows. I'm a sports nut. And one of the basketball players has a quote that says, train the mind and the body will follow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The body does what the mind tells it to do to the ability that it can. Right. So often we just don't tell our body to do. A perfect example, I exercised this morning before six o'clock. Wow. I never do anything before six o'clock. Wow. But I told my body, get up. We're going to get on the elliptical. Be quiet. And it did. And we finished our workout. Wow. That makes me feel bad. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, that's, that's the answer. That's the part two answer. Okay. It's so important also because of our perception. Mm. We look at the body first as the culprit for what happens to us after 60. Okay. Rather than focusing on our mind that's and what good. happens after 60. And that's and- good, Dr. Leatherman. That's good. I, I, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. And commercialism would have you focus on your body. Correct. Am I sagging? Am I wrinkled? Do I need cellulite? Do I need, do I need more makeup? Do I need, do I need versus what am I telling myself about exactly what I have right now? Exactly. It makes good. It does. That, that makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Um, Do you think it's easier or harder for folks over 60 to admit to and obtain therapy, to admit that they are in need of it and obtain it? Or do you think it's do you think it's easier because, well, I'm 60 plus, I've tried everything else, might as well try this. What what do you think about that? No, I think the 60 plus generation, most of us are baby boomers. And baby boomers were taught, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and handle your business. And handle your business. And don't raise your hand and say help. And don't raise your hand and say, I can't do it. Pick yourself up and handle your business. And too often people think when they come to counseling, they are admitting defeat, weakness, incompetence, inadequacy versus I just need some help. Oh, Say that again, Dr. V. I think you just need to really, really yes. uh, talk about that some more because right. that that that's really going on, not with just 60 plus, right. but, you know, with certain cultures, even with certain genders, 
yes. you know that's the that's that's the mantra that's being said in the mind so absolutely expound I, on that for me got it i have somewhat of a standard introduction when i start a session and part of that introduction is i've sat on both sides of the sofa most of the time i sit in my therapist chair but i've been on the sofa Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I needed some support. I needed some help. And I want my clients to understand the therapist can get therapy and the therapist needs therapy. So right. don't put a stigma on getting therapy. Instead, put your focus on getting the help you need when you need it to navigate life circumstances well, because they're just circumstances. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I always want my clients to know that I know what it feels like on that sofa because I've been there. And when I need to go again, I'm going to be back on the sofa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No shame to my And that really speaks to the stigma. I'm glad you brought up, you know, the stigma that is with, uh, that comes with therapy. Right. As if, like you said, as if you go to therapy, that's an admission of weakness. That's an admission of defeat. And I'm yeah. just going to throw this word out here uh, because, you know, I've he- heard and I've said it. When you talk about therapy or, or going to see a therapist, the first uh, thing that usually comes out of people's mouth is I'm not crazy. You know, right. exactly. and, and that being affiliated with going to therapy and, and um, um even though I, I have this situation, and even though I will say out of my mouth, this is making me crazy. I don't want to go to therapy because I don't want you to think I'm crazy. Right. And and so let me expand on that just a little bit. Please. I, I have found in my practice that there's sort of kind of three reasons people come to counseling. One reason is some big life curveball comes at them fast mm-hmm. and it knocks them over. And it's unexpected, it's bigger than their normal coping mechanisms can can cope with. And they say, help, can I come in and sit on your sofa? Mm-hmm. Number two, sometimes people come to counseling because several mild to moderate things happen in a short window of time. Any one of them alone, I would have handled just fine. Mm-hmm. But when you throw them all together in a short space of time, my normal coping mechanisms are overwhelmed. And if we think about job layoffs, pandemic, deaths, illnesses, marital difficulties, all in a short window of the pandemic time frame, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. But any one of those I could have coped with on my own reasonably well. And then number three, everybody doesn't cope the same way. Right. My coping skills and your coping skills and someone else's coping skills aren't equal. And sometimes I face a situation that I'm just not good at coping with. Mm -hmm. I may handle illnesses marvelously well, but financial problems may throw me for a loop more than someone else. So in my experience, those are the kinds of things that people come to counseling for and the kinds of things we should give ourselves permission to recognize we're not made out of steel, we don't have all the answers, and sometimes we do need help. And and I I think about the response I've gotten from people that I know and care about when I've said, you know, well, maybe you should consider 
counseling or maybe right. you should consider therapy. And the response I've gotten has been like, I have just said, you know, maybe you should give me one of your kidneys or, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe you, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, I've had people question, why do you think I need therapy? You, right. you, you think something wrong with me? You know, right. um, uh, I've seen it where there have been couples that want to, that are in need of couples therapy, but right. you know, they feel like for them to go, there's always one that feels like, well, I don't really need to go. The problem came from the other person. Why do I need to go when they're the ones with the problems? You know, same thing with same thing with drug counseling. We have people that come in and 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 uh, their family members don't want to be involved in any of the counseling or the therapy uh, because they say, I don't have a drug problem. Right. Why I got to see. Uh, account. I'm not coming to that counselor. I'm not coming okay. to uh, a family therapy because it's not my problem, which right. which we all know that any type of mental illness or mental health disorder or any type of substance use disorder affects everyone. You Absolutely. know, it, it's like somebody said, it's not a, it, it's not a, um, it's not a, a shotgun, you know, it's, it's a grenade, you know, it, it, blows up everywhere. Right, exactly. And one of the things, well, let me let me say this disclaimer. All therapists are not created equal. Correct. Correct. And I and I have to make that disclaimer. All right. therapists are not so therefore everyone's experience with different therapists won't be the same. Right. But I am tickled so often when my clients come in with this look on their face like what have I gotten myself into <laughs> and then they leave with this look that says that wasn't so bad it wasn't so bad i'm glad i came but that, that wasn't initial, so bad that initial facial expression says what am i doing here here but they leave so often thinking not only that wasn't so bad but i'm glad i came i'm glad i came glad i know I that came. was my experience when i came to see you dr <laughs> leatherman was you know I, I'd been in therapy before. I'm a drug counselor myself, so gotcha. I knew the benefits, but I still had that, you know, it, it's something that goes through your mind of, I'm more concerned of what you're going to think of me. Like, you're the therapist that you're going to, you're going to label me. Right. At the, you're going to label me too far gone. You're going to label me, I can't do nothing to help this one. Right. You know, that, that was going on in my head. Just right. real talk, but you are absolutely right. By the time I got through, I was like, "Wow, I'm glad I came." Mm-hmm. I'm yes. so glad I came. And and each of us has our strengths and our weaknesses. And one of my strengths is I will raise my hand in a heartbeat and say, "Help." And it has nothing to do with is it my car or electronics or technology or my exercise, or my eating, I will raise my hand in a heartbeat and say, please help me. And what you think about me for asking for help, that's on you. Right, exactly. I can't control your response. I right. can only control my actions. And I would rather be helped than frustrated or be helped rather than mess it up or don't get what I need. Right, right. And again, so that- many so many people need to hear this, uh, Dr. Leather, especially in this time of the pandemic. Uh, I share with you that people are now saying, oh, it's so much talk about 
uh, uh, mental health. We're seeing so many uh, problems in mental health or so many issues come up in mental health since the pandemic. And they were there before the pandemic is what I've been saying. You know, it's just that the pandemic has has uh, shown a light on it, you know, but reality was there was always mental health issues going on uh, in our communities, uh, um, in our families. There were always these things going on, but we didn't talk about it like like your family with the death. We didn't talk about it. We didn't discuss it, nor did we seek any type of professional help. And the, the, the mental health market right now, the mental health field is flooded. Flooded. Yeah. Because not only were they there pre-existing, but they have multiplied. They have expanded because it's like I said, that window that's small, but there's so many things happening at the same time. time and right. people are not geared to cope with that much stress in a short window with so many different factors involved. That's not how we're wired. Right. And having to accept or trying to accept this, it'll never go back to what everyone else has been craving for is normal. You know, uh, you know, when will we go back? I just want to go back to it being normal, but it'll never go back to that because of the experience that we've had, that it'll never go back to the so-called normal um, again. So people are really kind of like grieving that, of uh, letting go of that you know, instead of creating a new normal, it's like, you know, if I if we can't go back to that, it's over with. If we can't go back to the way, it's over with. And, and I'm saying, you know, that that was some things that weren't very normal pre-pandemic. There are some things I don't want to go back to uh, pre-pandemic. <laughs> and and I had a man in my office yesterday mm -hmm. and, I, and his wife died last year. And I want your listeners to hear me carefully. I said to this man whose wife died last year, what are the blessings that have come out of that? Okay. Because one of my favorite words in my therapy is perspective. Right. How do you look at normal and going back? Right. How do you look at the changes? Because... You can look at the changes as all bad, or you can look at the changes as advantageous as well. Mm -hmm. And your perspective defines how you respond to what you see. And so often we don't recognize that we can have different perspectives about the same event. The cops mm -hmm. will tell you that my law enforcement years, Five eyewitnesses looking at the same incident, they don't see it the same they way. They don't see it the same. Right. And so, so that is true of life. And I said to this man very gently, what are the blessings? And I said, give me five. He gave me eight. Wow. All said and done because he was able to recognize that even though he missed her, even though he would prefer that she were still here, he is able to identify blessings that have followed her death. Mm -hmm. And that is in that most extreme circumstance. Imagine if you could do that on smaller things, on things that are less painful. Just shift your focus. 
Mm-hmm. And, and and just see a little different angle on what you're looking at. And ultimately, ultimately, my practice is a faith-based practice. So I ultimately want people to understand what's God's perspective mm. on a given circumstance. And when you can look at it from God's perspective, you might feel and think differently. Wow. wow. Same circumstance. Same circumstance. Same circumstance, but it's just a different perspective. If I can share a little quick story. Go ahead. One of the storms came through and my children were all in Beaumont. My boys were visiting my daughter and college in Beaumont and a storm came up out of the Gulf and they evacuated Beaumont. Mm -hmm. My three children in Mm -hmm. Beaumont in a storm. My husband and I are in Houston 90 miles from our children Mm -hmm. and they've got to commute back from Beaumont. My brain is, Oh my God, my children are going to die. Oh my God. I'm going to lose all my children together. All my children at once. I had enough sense to pray. I had enough sense to say, God, what's going on. And in the middle of my freaking out, he said to me, no, 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 no. They're not going to all die. I sent the boys there to escort Carice back from Beaumont, but she wouldn't be by herself commuting in the storm. Right, 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 right. That's a very different perspective. A very different perspective. And I thought and felt entirely different. I hung my head and I said, God, please forgive me for ever doubting your brilliance and your love. But if I had not shifted my perspective, I could have cracked up in the next four hours because it was a four hour commute in the middle of the storm because they had to take back roads. But God's perspective was brilliant. My perspective was cracking up, lose your mind. Right, 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 right. Ultimately, I chose God's perspective and thanked him. Right. And, And your kids are all... Fine and dandy, and they made it in from Beaumont. <laughs> Not only did they make it, but my daughter was safe. The boys had the mechanical, the 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 navigational, all of the skills she needed to take the back roads from Beaumont to Houston safe and sound. So it was a brilliant plan. It wasn't brilliant. Good, it was brilliant because one would get under the car if anything happened, and the other one was going to fight. If anybody, <laughs> watching, anybody, do you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Um, but if we don't let go of our perspective, we overreact and unnecessarily panic, and we're not able to receive what God is trying to give us. Wow. Now, now that right there, the holding on to the perspective and the panicking. Oh, oh. Yes. You We're know, all doing so much. It brings so much. Like you said, the only thing you can do is hang your head. You know, when God had it all along, but you know, I'm running around talking about the sky is falling. Yes. The sky is falling. And God had it all along. Yes. And then when you sit back and you look back over it after right. the storm or the situation oh. or the interview or the podcast is over with, you know, it's like God is just sitting there saying, "Mm." you know, you were saying, you know, (laughs) I love it. 
Well, he actually tells me, go sit down, little girl. And I say, yes, sir. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. Um, I, you had brought up about, um, uh, I wanted to bring up about uh, people who are of the faith, people who are Christians, I'm going to say that, okay, who also um, have some struggles with therapy or uh, seeking therapy based upon, you know, the Bible and, you know, trusting God and you need to trust God and everything and uh, uh, not really believing that God can work through a therapist. Yeah, and I, I made peace with that early in the 2000s mm -hmm. because I my training is clinical psychology, right. but my faith is faith in God. Right. And I had to struggle to make peace with the two. And what God showed me was that just like with a man and a woman, and two shall become one. One. So I have been able to integrate my psychology background with my faith in a way that merges the two powerfully. Wow. And it doesn't mean if you come into my office, we're going to talk scripture and quote the Bible and we're going right. to not going to necessarily do that. Right. But psychology does not negate um, spirituality and spirituality does not negate psychology. Okay. The two okay. merge very beautifully. And, and those who know me appreciate the fact that I can bring my spirituality to my, my professional background and they can take from it what they want to use. No more, no less. I, I know I appreciate it, uh, Dr. V. I, I really did. I appreciated that. This is, such, this is such a great discussion, I'm telling you. And time is just going. I, you know... Um, uh, one more question. One more question. And uh, for y'all, for those of you who are watching, there will be a part two. Okay, there will be a part two. So, uh, but this question I want to ask you, and please feel free to expound on it. Um, what are some of the issues that people sixty plus are dealing with? What What are some of the mental health? Uh, challenges or issues that you find in people who are 60 plus i don't i i i'm i'm tempted to try to rank them but i don't want to try to rank them okay, okay. one of the biggest challenges that people over 60 face is should i should i be done is my life over is it as good as it's going to get wow. and they they believe that they're supposed to settle for whatever they've achieved to this point versus forging ahead. And, and I, one of my favorite words is perspective. One of my second favorite words is permission. And I give people over 60, I have clients in their 80s. And they, I had a client in here a couple of weeks ago in his 80s, and we had done our hour, and he said, can I have another half hour? Do you have a client after me? And he wanted more time. And he's in his 80s. Wow. wow. He's not through living life. And he wants to live it purposed. And be, thank you. And because of that, it worked out that I had that window that I could give him another half an hour. So 
My first answer is that too many people over 60 think this is it. I've done it. I'm done. Go sit down rather than what's next or where do I go from here? Here. Mm -hmm. And number two, too often they let other people decide what that answer should be rather than giving themselves permission to decide what that answer should be. And then third, they allow the culture to Mm -hmm. identify them and set limits on them in terms of if I got two wrinkles or if my hair is gray or if my if I if I can't run a half duh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But but we allow the culture to define and limit and and identify what and who we should be after the age of 60. And not just the culture, we let our family do it. But at the end of the day, I am still in control of my life and my destiny. And if I need some help to figure that out, then run to a counselor's or a coach's office and figure that out. But but don't fail to give yourself permission to keep living until you die. I love it. And to live it. Yes. I love it. That's what the pregnant with purpose, uh, that's how it got started. That's what this whole thing got started with is the fact that we were being defined, put in boxes and put away, basically, yes. you know, yes. letting, uh, like you said, letting the culture, letting our family, letting everyone else tell us what we should be doing, you know, now uh, I'm going to quote you what you told me the other day. I want to use this right now is uh, uh speaking of one of the other things too they feel like that if you retire if you have retired from some type of a job then that should be it you know you you've done it you you're through so your right. work is done you know right. and you said that uh your tagline is i have flunked retirement twice and <laughs> I, I love it you know i love that tell us about tell us about that well, I, I retired from HPD and I had an amazing career with them. Loved most moments there. Nothing's perfect, but I loved my career with HPD. And so I retired and I had my private practice and I thought I would just do a part-time private practice and live happily ever after. Well, then I started teaching. Right. I started teaching after I retired. So that was my second career. I loved the college atmosphere. I loved the two campuses that I worked for, but that was a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I decided that to do that much work after I retired wasn't what I wanted to spend quality time doing. Okay. But then I stepped back from that. And now I'm maintaining my private practice, which is expanding Mm -hmm. day by day, but I consider that I was retired, came out of retirement, retired again, and now I'm out of retirement, but I'm doing the things I love. I'm doing the things that bring life to me, give me meaning and purpose to get out of the bed in the morning. And if I can slide in one more answer to the plus 60 challenges, Mm -hmm. the other challenge is that there is decline. We are not who we used to be. Right. We're not supposed to be who we used to be. But if we don't fight back, if we don't resist that, we will decline even faster. My my brother told me years ago, you've got to work harder just to hold what you've got. 
Wow. Post 60, we do have to work harder to hold what we've got. And whether that's exercise or mind stimulation or games or, or just whatever the challenges are that force our bodies to keep working to their optimal ability, we do have to work harder because there is decline. Mm-hmm. And so we have to admit that, but we don't have to be crippled by that. Right, right, right. Dr. Leatherman, this has been great. This this part one, this has been fire. This has been fire. Uh, yeah. I, I look forward to part two. I, I ask uh, you all to please, 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 uh, there will be a part two. This, uh, this episode, this podcast, which is uh, episode number five, will actually uh, be available Monday, April the 19th. And then the following Monday will be the part two. So Dr. Leatherman, for right now, I say thank you. And I look forward to us continuing our discussions. And for all you out there, don't forget my favorite tagline. Oh, I almost forgot. You know you're old. You know your old segment. It's going to be real simple today. You know you're old when you're sending an email and you start out your contact of your email saying, please see attachment. And then you don't attach. <laughs> then you realize you didn't send the attachment. So you write another email that says, sorry, I didn't send the attachment, you know, ha, ha, ha. And you forget to send it again. That's when you know you're old. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. So <laughs> we'll end on my favorite tagline. If you're not dead, God's not done. Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.